Hello and welcome to this Milwaukee Admirals podcast with Charlie Larson. I'm Aaron Sims and uh, a great show coming up. We'll visit with former Admirals goaltender Jeremy Smith on this show and uh, we'll tell you about this in a little bit. But uh, the conversation was so good, we're actually going to bring it to you in two parts. Uh, but Charlie, we wanted to start with a lot of news um, regarding the Milwaukee Admirals, Nashville Predators, Chicago Wolves, I guess Admirals alumni uh, is, is what we're reporting on. But um, what a stretch. First, let's start in Chicago, where um, the Wolves are at a 10-2-0-1 record, uh, second best record in the American Hockey League currently. They just whipped Iowa in two games this weekend in Des Moines in front of about 4,000 fans both games. Yeah. Um, and I t- I, I'm going to start off by saying that I got a call from their excellent play-by-play announcer, a real good friend, Jason Shaver, last night, and he asked me, if we saw Tanner Janot becoming one of the most dominant forces in the American hockey. And I said, well, I think we thought, and we've been hearing a lot from like Scott Nickel, the GM and Carl Taylor, the head coach that, you know, he's played himself into a position to be in Nashville and he made his NHL debut earlier this season, um, which is fantastic. But I, I don't know that we thought he would be, Eric Lindros, right? I mean, you were talking about a guy who's doing everything. He's using his size. He's scoring. He's um, you, the Chicago coach. When you talk to him, he talks about Tanner's leadership. And I even saw an article with Ryan Worsowski who said, we don't have a captain, but he would be our guy. He's it. He's the captain. Which is right? crazy. I mean, think about this. The Chicago Wolves, Charlie, they're, they're the Carolina Hurricanes farm team. Right. Okay. We're kind of the Admirals players or the players we think would be in Milwaukee. They're, I don't want to say an afterthought, but they're not number one on the priority list when it comes to development by the Carolina Hurricanes. Right. Absolutely. So it, it says a lot and that for, Tanner yeah. is doing what he's doing. Yeah. For, like you say, for their coach to specifically call out Tanner Janot, not, not give a, in a not, positive way. Right. In a positive way. Not to give out, oh, you know, he's one of our leaders. Uh-uh. Like he, he is our, if we had to have captains, he's the guy, he's the captain. And so it's not, and it's not just leadership. Like he's just dominating on the ice. And I think the first thing you see and you notice when you meet Tanner Janot, when you see him is his size, mm-hmm. he's tall, but he's also extraordinarily strong. And I think when you, you know, he's down in the American League, obviously. He was a young guy when he started. He had just come off a 50-goal season in the Western League. And you think to yourself, boy, if this guy can use his size at this level, he's going to be a force. But, you know, we've had big guys in before that weren't able to figure out quite how to do that. Well, he's he's figured it out. So, yeah, Tanner has been awesome. And then you look at the other players down there, and we're going to move on from Chicago in a second. But Tommy Novak has 13 points in 12 games. Rem Pitlick's up in Nashville. When he was called up, he had he led the league in goals in the American League. When Jeremy Davies, who's up in Nashville, was recalled, uh, he led the league in assists. Freddie Allard, who made his NHL debut a couple of nights ago, he has eight points in seven games since coming back from Switzerland. Right. Uh, so I- injury issues have hurt Nashville uh, and a lot of guys are getting a chance and uh, it's, it's awesome to see. Uh, we mentioned Allard making his debut. Davies and Janot have also made their debut. Uh, Alex Carrier, Charlie, uh, a guy we're, we're quite fond of. Uh, he's been here yeah. five years 
and uh, he scored his first NHL goal uh, the do other you, night. It was awesome. Do you think from Yakov yeah, Trenin, I, by the way, from Yakov Trenin? Right, a nice drop pass by Trenin. Do you think that Carrier scored that goal because we interviewed him last he week? He just spoke to us. I 100% believe that that's the case, yes. Uh, I would yeah. think so. It's like, it's like you never notice a car on the road until you buy that car, and then you realize that every third car is the car <laughs> you just bought. I know. I, oh, from a guy who owns a Toyota Camry, <laughs> that is the case, 100%. <laughs> like, nobody has this car. Yeah, right. It looks so cool. Oh, that guy. Wait, what? Right. Until you try and get in somebody else's car because it's exactly the same as yours, and you're like, why isn't this opening? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so yes, I believe that. I believe, I believe it like that. Like, uh, yeah, the goal didn't come until we talked to him. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, the, 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 I mean, I, I, again, I hate to, to go, go effusive in our praise of Alex Carrier, but the, after Alex has maybe the best smile in Admiral's history, right? Like just a, a wonderful smile, always happy. So when they take the picture of him with his first goal puck afterwards, He's got his mask on though, so you can't even see him smiling. I was disappointed by that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. So that uh, that happened. Um, a, a staggering statistic: fourteen players from last year's Admirals team and uh, have played in a game this year. Have played in an NHL game this year, which is just amazing. Thirty-one players played in an Admirals game last year. So you're talking nearly fifty percent of players who dressed for the Admirals dressed, not right. Or I shouldn't say I shouldn't say dressed played, played for the uh, that, and that counts people who played one or two games like an Adam Smith or right, somebody right. like that. Scott Savage didn't play much last year as compared to the year before with the Admirals. Um, 31 players played 32 dressed. Ken Appleby dressed and didn't get right. into a game. Didn't, didn't play. Uh, so even there, 14 out of 32, it's it's a remarkable number. Um, remarkable. Number. It's about 44 percent of the people who dressed for the Admirals last year. So 11 of those with Nashville, uh, with Allard being the most recent, and then three elsewhere, Daniel Carr with Washington, Colin Blackwell, who's really broken out with the Rangers. Yeah. And it's, House, it's really awesome to see the production that he's uh, putting up in New York. Uh, and then the other one, again, a guy we're quite fond of, um, really great story. Uh, 31 years old, we talked to him about, the dream is it dead in the NHL. He hadn't played since 2014 in the national hockey league. And lo and behold, Troy Grosnick gets the opportunity just a couple hours before a game to be in net for the LA Kings in a five, one win. It's just, right. it's, it's, it's awesome. It's an awesome story. And uh, it, it's great to, it's great to see for Troy. Yeah, it, it was absolutely. It was, I mean, how many times has Troy was Troy called up when he was in Milwaukee? I bet it was, I bet it was 10 times. Uh, yeah, in that neighborhood, sure. Yeah, uh, but always in a backup role. Right. Uh, never, never got to actually play. And you know, it's funny we hear a, we'll hear a great story coming up from Jeremy Smith about uh, about not quite getting into that NHL game. Um, that's what they call a tease in the business. But so you'll yeah. have to stick around for that. Uh, what I thought was interesting, Aaron, was that the NHL PR uh, posted a, a list of players, the longest stretch between uh, appearances by a goalie. And Troy, I think was maybe number five right. uh, or number six, the guy right in front of him form uh, also former Admiral Kay Whitmore, right. who, who Troy may have watched when he was a kid. Maybe that might've predated him a little bit, but uh, um, 
So I thought that was uh, that, that that was interesting as well. That yeah. two of the top eight guys who have the longest stretches without playing a game or between appearances in that were uh, were former admirals. Yeah, it was, it's a neat story and it's awesome for Troy and his family. But again, fourteen players who played on last year's team, uh, it makes you a little bit wistful for what could have been. <laughs> for sure, it does. Uh, sure. And it also says a lot about evaluating players and about uh, putting a group together and and getting that group to pull the same direction and so many other things. So 14 out of the 32 plus six more have been on practice squads. So 20 yeah, yeah. out of the 32 players um, have been. Uh, so that's 63 percent, 625 that's yeah. uh, that's unbelievable. I, I looked around the league and I got through about half of the league and the closest I found was uh, Providence had 11 in Boston this year and one on another team and then two on taxi squads. Now, I, I'm not I, I'm not into specifics as to the players in Providence if they played like a game or two, like if it was a, a rehab assignment, a conditioning stint, something like right. that. I, but I can safely say that for Milwaukee, it was the, they were, these are players who were not on conditioning stints. Right. Um, they were players who played, played and meant something when they played, they were, right. um, it wasn't just coming down and doing a couple of laps and then leaving and not really being part of the team. Right. So it's, uh, it's, it's really, really quite a statistic. And I'm going to write something more about that, by the way, on our, on the Admiral's website, um, uh, about all of that uh, in the near future. It's it's really something else. Okay, have we discussed everything we need to? Yeah, I think so. Let's uh, let's move it on then. Um, as we mentioned at the outset, uh, Jeremy Smith, former goaltender for the Milwaukee Admirals, um, was the goalie actually the last time the Admirals won a playoff series. Right. Uh, Ten years ago, unfortunately. Uh, but uh, Jeremy Smith uh, is, and we're going to do this in two parts, as we mentioned. We had such a good time talking with Jeremy Smith that uh, we went very long. So uh, to save everybody um, sitting in front of, in one spot for so long, we're, we decided to split this up into two parts. So uh, here is part one with former Admirals goaltender, Jeremy Smith. I'm excited today. I'm excited when we do these all the time, but I'm excited today because this is a guy who really is one of my favorite people that have played in Milwaukee. Uh, I, the, I re, if I remember correctly, the first time I met him was the spring after he was drafted. He came into Milwaukee and uh, hung out with the team as draft picks do. And he rode on the bus to Chicago. And I mean, he was a 19 year old kid at the time, probably. And we had this, the best conversation in the media room in Chicago having the great team meal in Chicago. Uh, since then, he's gone on to do fantastic things and played all over the world. Uh, Charlie, he's a former Admirals goalie, Jeremy Smith. Smitty, it's great to see you. It's great to talk to you. Uh, do I have that right? Do you remember that at all? It was really not that big of a deal, but that's that's how I remember meeting you. Simsy, Charlie, thanks for having me. But Simsy, absolutely. I remember because I drove in the night before. Uh, Lane Lambert called me. He was like, Smitty, if you want to come, come, come now. And I'm like, absolutely. <laughs> so I drove and I got there and he, I was like, what, what do I need to do? Like we got practice tomorrow. He goes, be at the rink in your suit at this time. And I'm like, Oh, okay. So I got to the rink, um, walked on the bus, sat right behind you, Simzy. I remember we talked on the bus. We talked uh, in Chicago because 
I th- I think Pekka was playing. It was was it first round of playoffs against Chicago? Yeah. Yeah, oh, seven, oh, eight. Eight. yeah, yeah. In, in 08, yeah, 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 and uh, they had they had uh, Rich Peverly just came back from in Nashville. Um, they had Hadar, like, I remember both those teams were stacked and right. watching Hadar, Krog, Sterling, yeah, 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 right. So, yeah, Simsy, and you know, I appreciate those kind of words. I know a lot of great guys have come through Milwaukee, but um. Thank you. Thank you a lot. Thanks a lot. Uh, I mean, all you all, even like from day one, you've been one of the more thoughtful guys. And right. I mean, and there too, like, I remember there was a time we did some things on the website about um, just kind of player bios, like what my favorite cereal and things like that. And the, the worst thing I ever did as a kid and all of that. And you told a great story about breaking your mom's China cat. I shouldn't, I shouldn't say it's a great story, uh, <laughs> but it's, you told a story about breaking your mom's China cabinet and, yeah. Like I said, you've always been open and thoughtful and it's, you've always been a pleasure. And I, I can't remember. I don't think we ever saw you in San Antonio. I remember sitting in with you in Iowa when you were there for a short time, but uh, it's been, it's been six years probably since we've seen you. So uh, all of that is, is prologue to uh, what is going to be a great conversation. Yeah, no, thank you. Um, yeah. I, I always thought Milwaukee was the best at like divulging into like, who the player is, you know what I mean? Not just a athlete, but who they are. And um, I, I cherished my, I still, to this day, I cherish my time that I spent in Milwaukee um, as an organization. It was, it's just such a, a family. Um, but yeah, like it was, uh, it was great. And then we were able to reconnect in Iowa. And then I think when I was in San Antonio, cause I never played Milwaukee. I actually it was early on. I remember Soros beat me. It was a really close game yeah, right. early yes, in the season. Right. But it was yeah. one of those games, yeah, you had like 40-some saves or something. and Yeah, it was like a goaltending battle. And I, it was the first time I saw him, and I was like, wow, like I really like his style. I was like, he's going to be good. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's crazy how you bounce around to teams, but you always reconnect with those that you connect with early yeah, on. Absolutely. You, you told me one time that when you were a kid, you would sit – with like in the butterfly position with your legs, with your legs out all the time. And your mom would yell at you like, Hey, don't sit like that anymore. That's bad for you. It turns out you made a career of sitting like that. (laughs) So tell us how you got going play, how you got started playing goalie, because it seems to me like goalies either get it, start playing because no one else will do it. They're the last resort. You're going in there or because it, or they just are like, I want to be the goalie. I got to do that. Put me in coach. I'm ready. So what was it for you? Uh, you know, Charlie, it is true that I would sit and I'd watch cartoons and eat cereal, like with my, my butt and my knees, like on the floor, like kind of like Bambi, you know what yeah. I mean? Like <laughs> right. knees out. Uh, but to, to go way back, I, like I started playing hockey with my brother. He wanted to play. I learned to skate. My grandma taught me how to skate. Um, and then we would play like mini might hockey and I wanted to play out so bad, but I would play it like football and I would just run into anybody and anything that moved. And I would spend more time in the penalty box than I did on the ice. And my dad, my mom, like, they were like, Jeremy, you can't do that. I was like, why? It's hockey. I can yeah, skate I around. Yeah. yeah. I was a great skater ripping around. And so they threw me in that one time and I played great. And then they, Cause it was a rotation, right? Like, yeah. so then it came back around. I played well again. 
And my dad was like, you know, I think we got something here. And the next year he was like, Jeremy, you're going to play goalie. And I was like, dad, I'll play goalie. He's like, no, you're going to play goalie because you spend too much time in the penalty box. And, and that's it. <laughs> we're not, that's we're not paying all this money for you to play hockey and have you sitting in the penalty <laughs> box. In the penalty box. Right. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, those are expensive ice pills. Yeah. So. <laughs> You, I remember when you once you said that. I remember you saying that it was your grandmother who taught you how to skate. So, yeah, what is my, her background? Did she have a formal training, or did she just have access to it, or what? What was her? My dad was a football player. My mom was a cheerleader. They're high school sweethearts. So neither of them had stepped on the ice their whole life. You know what I mean? Like yeah. hockey, ice skating wasn't their thing. But my grandma was like figure skated when she was younger. Okay. And so the only person in the whole family that knew how to skate was my grandma. And so my mom called my grandma because my brother came home from elementary school and said, I want to play hockey. All my friends play hockey. My mom was like, what? Yeah. And so called my grandma up and uh, whatever my brother did, I wanted to do. And so she took us both and learned how to skate uh, at Garden City Ice Arena in, in Michigan and that's and I learned on double blades. My first pair was double blades. Yeah. Yeah. They're like just two blades. And I, I don't know if that, I don't, is that a thing still? Like, do I, I can't, I, I can't remember. The last time I saw double blades was when I went, is at my mom and dad's house and they were still in the <laughs> yeah. basement. Right. I haven't, up, seen yeah. them. I haven't seen double blade, double runners in forever. You can buy. Yeah. yeah I know they, that you can buy them on Amazon. Uh, but I, I have I don't know that I've ever seen a pair in action. Uh, yeah. At at the, Maybe, at the yeah. Maybe at the antique shop. Yeah. Yeah. Right. right. The plate, or the plate against sports. That's right. <laughs> yeah. No. So yeah. So yeah. No, she taught me how to skate, and then I, I, I took too many penalties. They threw me in the net, and uh, the first year I played goalie, I, I, I don't remember how many shutouts, but um, they would put like a shutout patch on your, on your jacket. Yeah. yeah. And. And I, I, my jacket was filled with shutout patches from like minute minor hockey. Um, so, you know what, mom and dad, thank you. You made the right choice. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's something too. Charlie, you have kids, a son who's playing. Do they still do all the patches and everything? Do you yeah, do they, they do. You get one patch a year though. So if you, if you have a, a, a shutout every game, you get one patch. Okay. Uh, it was costing USA Hockey too much money, I guess, to uh, produce all these patches. <laughs> I, I bankrupt. I single-handedly bankrupt bankrupted USA, USA Hockey. It's the Jeremy Smith rule, yeah. yeah. Jeremy Smith rule. <laughs> so when you get around to it, why, uh, why the Canadian route for you? Because I'm sure being an American, I mean, you're, you're, you live close to that area, so I guess that's that might be part of it. But at the same time, I got to imagine when it came to that point that some colleges were, were checking you out. Yeah. Well, here's a funny story. So my whole dream was to go to the national program. You know what I mean? The national training development program, which is down the and, road from where you were right. In Ann Arbor. Oh, Ann Arbor. And, and, like, and, and when you're that age, it's, it's in, it's in its infancy too, right? Like it hadn't, uh, I shouldn't say infancy, but it hadn't been around for 50 years or 40 it didn't years. Have the reputation it does now. Yes. Right. But at the time, like, I was so close to home. It was a great spot to play like USA. Like that was, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it was like in my mind, I was like, that's, that's where I want to go. And so you do these select tournaments, uh, 14, 15, 16. Um, 
And so I went to all those and I felt like really like I was like, that is a goal that's achievable. Um, and so when they, when they're choosing the teams, I don't know who makes it, like who makes those decisions, but I mean, there's only two spots, right? Two spots yeah. in all the USA for these two goalies. Right. And so Which is uh, insane. Was, right. Like the odds of getting that is, is very minute. Like the, the, they call it like the, the, the yeah. tree of talent at each level you go up, it gets smaller yes. and smaller. Um, so, I mean, I was, that was my goal. Um, and so they picked the team and they picked two Minnesota goalies. And so I was, I was like, okay, you know what I mean? Like, and I, I know who they are. I don't think they still play today, but I remember they were, I like, I saw them at those select camps. I was like, those are two good goalies, you know, right? it is, it is what it is. And so called my agent and my agent explained to me. So now here's our two routes. You can go USHL. Um, mm -hmm. and then go to college and go to college at, you know what I mean? 18. And then two years of college, you turn pro, um, a little later than you would, if you were to go to the OHL, he goes, or you can go to the OHL next year, you play almost a hundred games. If you make it long, far in the playoffs, um, he said, you, you'll play a lot. Um, and I was like, I just want to play hockey. So the always where I chose, well, Let's go back to the two Minnesota goalies. I don't know if you know about Minnesota high school hockey. I do, yeah. Since, yeah. Oh, how yeah. big is it? how big is that, Simsy? It's there th that for years that was the only time hockey would sell out. Is right? the hockey tournament? Right. The, the Excel Energy Center. It has the biggest. It has the biggest TV deal in the state. It, yeah, it's a huge deal. Yeah. So these two Minnesota goalies turned down USA because they want to play high play, school hockey. Play high really? School hockey. Yeah, and I signed my OHL contract a week before. Oh. <laughs> so, so they call my agent. They go, Jordan, this is USA Hockey. We'd like to have Jeremy come to the USA program. And my agent goes, sorry. So, so sorry. Smitty, Smitty signed with the Plymouth Whalers. Wow. And so, that, that's, I, that's an unbelievable story. Yeah. Well, so, and, and for that matter, Plymouth is not that far from you either. Right. Yeah. So it was Ann Arbor or Plymouth. I mean, they're what, 25 minutes, 20 minutes from each other. Uh, I grew up in Woodhaven, so it's pretty much the same drive. Uh, Plymouth offered me a uh, four-year university uh, if I don't sign an NHL contract. And when you're 15 years old, like if someone tells you, hey, we'll give you a full ride to any in-state school, it's yeah. almost, you, you, you cannot turn it down. Right. And so I, I said, yeah, absolutely. Not only the college education but to be able to play in in the ohl at a high level of junior hockey so i signed that i signed it i have no regrets you know what i mean um usa ohl they're just two routes to the same point uh, right. but yeah that's i mean i like when you're a young kid playing michigan michigan state ryan miller you know what i mean these these goalies that come right. through the program you're like idolize these guys that's what my that's what i wanted to do but just wasn't in the cards for me. So when you, when you, that you sign with Plymouth, is it like a free agency deal or did they own your rights? A territorial thing? Yeah. Re, the deal? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. Well, they have a draft. And yeah. so were you drafted? Yeah. I was drafted okay. fourth round. Um, and, but other teams call me and they were like, Hey, would you like to come? And I was like, no, I want to stay home to be honest. Like I, I want to stay home and that. And I wasn't lying. I really did want to stay home. Because I knew I was like, I'll play. But you Plymouth. could have been in London. You could have been in whatever team has 
an OHL franchise, Sault Ste. Marie, right. wherever. Right. And a lot of these OHL teams will just pick the best player that they're able to in those first, second rounds, hoping that they come to the O. Sure, and yeah. majority of them don't. You know what I mean? A majority of them go play college or whatever route they want. Uh, but they usually save like the third and fourth for the guys that they know will come that aren't, you know what I mean, first yes. rounders. And so yes. for me, I, as a goalie, fourth rounder to Plymouth, I was happy. Yeah. And so I, yeah. I mean, I've, I've said this a million times uh, that I, I always, I, it, it's shocking to me that it's, it's like this in the OHL, but especially in the Western League that you're going to take a 15-year-old, draft him, and then at 16, you're going to remove him from his house, from his parents, and send him so like so far away. Uh, but luckily for you – Look at John you, Blum. Look at John yeah, Blum. Yeah, look at John Blum. Absolutely. LA to Vancouver. To yeah. Vancouver. Uh, to a different mm-hmm. country. But you didn't have to do that. Did you live at home while you're playing for Plymouth? Yeah. Yep. Like, I, I imagine that's so much better for a kid's growth and development just from a psychological standpoint – I mean, I know Billet's Philip families get very close and everything like that. And there's so many remarkable stories, but at the end of the day, you're a kid at 16, not a, it's not like you're 20 and going to play in the American league. Even that, even that's weird. Uh, but anyways, that's, I digress. No, no, no. I, I agree. Like uh, when I was 15, I, I couldn't fathom leaving, you know what I mean? To go to a different country and play. I, I mean, I have a lot of respect for guys that do that and succeed. I think it's a very, huge hurdle to overcome um but uh yeah 15 i i graduated from the, the high school that i went to my whole you know what i mean my whole right. career woodhaven helped out um i was able to leave to go to practice and they understood for um all the weekend games where i had to leave on thursday and then we went to the mem cup i missed two weeks in the mem cup and so for me it was perfect um but yeah it is crazy to think about those kids leaving early yeah, yeah. Yeah, while you're there, it's there, right, that you are paired up with Matt Hackett, who you had some great battles with in, in when he played for Houston, right? Yes, Scott Wedgwood, Matt Hackett, and me were all in wow. Plymouth wow. together. All NHL that's pretty, goalies. That's, that's a pretty good. Any, that's a pretty good trio right there. Owned by yeah. owned by the Carmanos family, right? The former Hartford Whaler, Carolina Hurricanes owners. Oh yeah, so it went Justin Peters, Michael Norver, me, Hackett, Wedgwood. Like, you know what I mean? It, it was just a, a goalie factory down in Plymouth for like four or five years straight. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I remember, I remember when there too, like when it, when it dawned on me that so many of the guys in Charlotte in the AHL played in Plymouth and I was trying to think, why is that? And you told me because they owned them. They, own, they, <laughs> they The Carmanos family, that's who they draft. They draft the people they know. And then, then it's like, oh, okay. Light bulb. Because it was like, yeah. At one time, Charlotte had like nine guys who played in Plymouth. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was it was Plymouth. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> it was right, just yeah. the Plymouth, team. Plymouth South. Yeah, Plymouth South. Yeah. So you get uh, you end up being you end up being drafted by Nashville. Just uh, just tell talk some talk about that experience. Were you at in the second round? Did you go to the draft? Where was it? And uh, and just give us your overall experience at the draft. All right, I'll, I'll give you a funny story from the draft. So. Um, my family went down cause it's in Columbus. We live in Detroit. I mean, it's a, you know what I mean? A two and a half, three hour drive or something. Right. It was quick. So my extended family, everyone went down. Um, I, I was highly touted goalie, uh, but they said it was a weak goalie draft and 
they weren't sure where my agent said, he's like, I'm not sure where you're going to go, but you never know. And so uh, we went down and so it's, it's late in the first round and we're sitting there, my whole family, my agent taps me on the shoulder. It's Detroit Red Wings. I believe it's like the 28th or it's late in the first round. Detroit Red Wings. He taps me on the shoulder. He goes, you're going. My heart drops. I'm like, no way. Detroit, like my head is going, like my mind is just, I'm like, they're, oh my God. Oh God. I know where this is going. I know where this is going. So Detroit's walking up. They're holding the sweater. You know how first round you go on the stage, you get the sweater. The sweater falls. (laughs) And you see, you see S-M-I-T-H. And I'm like, my family, we're all like, we're grabbing each other. We're like, oh my God, they get up there. And they, for the first round, Brendan Smith. And I did one of the... Twenty seventh overall, by the way. Twenty seventh. Twenty seventh. My I was uh, my whole family was like, Whoa. I turn around, my agent goes, I I got a text, Smith to Detroit, twenty seventh. <laughs> I, oh. I, I I'm sorry. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, horrible. Oh. You know it was horrible, but yeah, <laughs> it's life, right? <laughs> Oh my God, that yeah. Brendan Brendan Smith, uh, University of Wisconsin. Yeah, yep, big D man, right? Yep. Played against us many times. Yeah, yeah. So I thought it was times. I thought it was Jeremy Smith, but they went with uh, Brendan. I mean, yeah, that. <laughs> well, well, twenty-seven times two is fifty-four, and that's where you went. That's where I went, you know. And uh, Mitch Corn called me right away. So um, Nashville drafted me. Um, and uh, my family, we're all excited, hugging, get down there and meet everyone. Um, they take me back and they hand me a phone. I, like almost immediately, I, I shake everyone's hand at the table. I meet everyone. And you're just kind of overwhelmed. Like they're putting this jersey on you. You know what I mean? Like the, the feelings, the emotions. And then they put a phone in my hand and I'm like, who? who? And they're like, it's, uh, it's Mitch Corn. I answer and Hello, Smitty. I'm like, Mitch. <laughs> Hello. On. That was a great, that was a that great really was perfect Mitch was Corn impersonation. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's Mitt Yellow. Yep. Smitty. So I'm like, hey, hello. And so that right there, um, Mitch has, has been Mitch since day one. You know yes. what I mean? Like, he's, he, Mitch um, did you so know he, who, did you know who Mitch was? Like he's a legendary goalie coach now, but be, and back then he, uh, he had I mean Dominic Hasek, yada yada. But so you didn't know really who he uh, who he was? No, because I I wasn't like a goalie school goalie growing up. I know he had like the, the Mitch Corn goalie schools, and they would come to Michigan. They go all over actually, but um, no, I, I had never crossed paths with Mitch before. Yeah, um, but. He called me the day I got drafted and um, it's been great ever since. You know what I mean? Like I could call Mitch right now. He'd answer his phone. Like I called him yesterday um, and I really appreciate everything he's done. Um, And so that experience, like that's one of the highlights for me was uh, getting drafted, meeting Mitch and kind of like that was the start of the career and turning me into 
an NHL goalie. Yeah. So oh, right that, oh, go ahead, Charlie. I was just going to say, in that draft, the guy who played the most games in the NHL in goal was Scott Darling. Number two in that draft, Jeremy Smith. Uh-huh. So it was a week. <laughs> it and, was pretty uh, weak. There was two goalies but, picked ahead of you. Neither of them made it to the NHL. And only one other guy actually played in the NHL that year uh, or ever in his career. So uh, yeah, that's, a, that, that, that's pretty impressive that you're number two I, out of the whole draft class. Right. And I think like, I, like for that draft class and even like, about, like before and, and after me, like it was hard for us to make it into the NHL because there was a – like a solidified group of veterans that were in the NHL for a long period of time. And so like when you're trying to break through that, you know what I mean? There's only two spots. There's, there was 30 teams when I was in the league that there's 60 spots in the world. Like, you know what I mean? It, it's, it's, it's hard to get that spot. I remember I had a great year in Milwaukee and I thought I was going to get a shot in Nashville and they ended up signing Chris Mason. Yeah. And I was pretty shocked. Um, and I, I, I don't remember what his record was, but I know it wasn't great. And I, um, I was like the whole season I was waiting for that chance. But when you have these veteran guys, it's hard to get, you know what I mean, get your foot in the door. Yep. Whereas yep. now these young guys, those guys are like retiring or they're getting out of the league. And these, this new group of goalies are coming in, like the Carter Hearts. You know what I mean? These yep. young like these young goalies that because Philly needs a goalie and they're like, okay, this guy has a lot of potential. We can move him in. And uh, so and I think the young guys too, it's, it's also a spot to save a little dough. You're not going to pay them the seven, $8 million. Right. That's so uh, that's if you can get a starting goalie on a, on an entry level contract, it's like a quarterback then, or it's like a quarterback in the NFL. You get that on a, on an entry level deal. You're a golden. Imagine, right. Imagine your front end. Yeah. Imagine, imagine your top four D, you know what I mean? You can, you can get those guys. And and that's how you can create these dynasties of, you know what I mean? If you draft well, you can really challenge. Hockey coaches are notoriously conservative. And so they don't want, they want the veteran guy. And even the coach too, like you can, okay, let's say a guy gets pulled up as a forward, right? You can put him out there for four minutes and if, and never in the third period. But if you're going to put a, a young goalie who's never played in the NHL before, you, that, that makes them nervous. And, and, and they, I mean, I, it's a, I understand they're like why they're conservative, like points are huge. And so to throw a, a rookie goalie out there who's never played in the NHL before, what happens if he gets it lit, lit up? You know, that's, that's probably their thought process. Right. And you're, you're right. Like as a goalie, you don't get 40 second shifts. You don't right. get 10 right. shifts a game or you, you don't get, you know what I mean? Like uh, on the ice, off the ice. As soon as you're thrown in that night, that is your game. You yeah. know what I mean? You you have 60 minutes, 65 plus shootout if it goes all the way to, you know what I mean? Hold the fort. Yeah. Um, right. But I mean, in one way you understand like why teams go with the veteran goalie, but another one is how do, how does, how does a goalie become a veteran goalie? Exactly. Right. To catch 22, right? Exactly. So you're going to like, like it's crazy to say like these Carter hearts, they're in the net so young getting all this experience, but in five years, like, Carter Hart's going to be, you know what I mean? A yeah. six-year veteran. It's like Carey Price. Like, 
Yeah. He played so young. Mark Andre Fleur is a perfect example. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. First overall gets put in there early. You know what I mean? Couple stumbles, but all of a sudden he blossoms. Like he is unbelievable. Like he's you know, Hall of Famer. What's what's funny about about Mark Andre Fleury is he, he was in Wilkesbury when the Admirals played Wilkesbury in the finals in 04. He wasn't their starting goalie. A kid named Andy Kyoto was. Yep. And uh it, I, I chuckle about this all the time that we were we were beating them pretty good and Kyoto had gotten pulled in game four and Flurry got put in at, and in the last five minutes of the game the, all the fans were winning seven to one or seven to two and all the fans are chanting Andy Andy so Michelle Terrian pulls pulls Flurry out and puts Kyoto back in to as a as a gesture to the fans and I think about like gosh can you imagine those fans now the fans who were <laughs> chanting Kyoto's name over who is going to go, who's a hall of fame goalie, right? A Stanley cup winning hall of fame goalie. Right. Yeah. And that, this is in the American league. This is and the American league. Yeah. Right. And it's crazy. Like the American league, so unique in a sense of um, like this, Andy, is it Kyoto? How do you say his last Andy, name? Andy Kyoto. Yeah. Yeah. Kyoto. He must've been a legend in right. Wilkes-Barre. In Wilkes-Barre. Yeah, for sure. And I've never heard of his name. I yeah. feel like the American league you kind of get, you kind of like everything's under a layer of, I don't know. It's like kind of like shielded. It's almost and it's almost sectional, sectionalized too because in the AHL you play the you play the central division of the Western Conference and you don't play anybody in the East yep. and and you know that you played you've played all over in the AHL so yeah. it's like you only need to know fifteen teams you don't need yeah, to yeah exactly so yeah you maybe you, you you hear a name but it doesn't stick right you it's like you meet people and you can't remember their name the next you know ten seconds later so. There's right. no reason for you to to have known him because I don't know that he ever played in the NHL. Right, uh, and and that's and that's the thing is like he never played in the NHL. So like, and you hear these names even if they hadn't had a great career in the NHL, you hear these names of because the NHL gets so much publicity. You know what I mean? The Rick Pietro. You know what yeah. I mean? Right. He he. <laughs> he's, not, he's not. He's not. He's not a Hall of Fame goalie, but you know what I mean. He got so much publicity, and so in the A it's kind of crazy that it's, um, it's kind of, it's under, I don't know. It's like a kind of like a, a black shield tarp with like a media blackout. If yeah. um, you have as to, soon as you, you have to yeah. be. And then as soon as you break through into the NHL, it's like this shining bright uh, media yeah. spotlight. Yeah. Um, but it, I mean, the American League, those guys are grinding. Those guys are playing just as hard, if not harder, because it is a, it's a hard-hitting league. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I have a lot of respect for those guys that become legends in that league Here's, this but is, don't this, have that spotlight. I, I just – this not to make this about Andy Kyoto, but I just looked up his stats. He was a rookie with Flurry that same year. <laughs> he played in the ECHL – the AHL and the NHL all in 2003, 2004 and never made it and never went back to the NHL after that. Uh, yeah. Stayed in Wilkes-Barre for a few well, years. And, and then Marc-Andre Fleury. Yeah. yeah. So that makes <laughs> all the sense in the world. Uh, you, when you started, Jeremy, you, uh, you ran into kind of what you were just saying a little bit. You ran into the politics of the game pretty, pretty early in your career. And in the fact that it's a first round pick and not a set, you're a second round pick. So you end up in Cincinnati and all you did was go out and win the league, the, the playoff MVP. So that worked out pretty well for you. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. You, so, made the I mean, most of a, you made the most of the situation, I should say. Right, right. No, you're right. So, yeah, like, let's go back to this draft. Drafted second round to Nashville. Um, the very following year, they draft Pickard. Yeah. Chet Pickard. And uh, I, I remember. Who's a wonderful guy, by the way. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great fantastic guy. guy. Yes. Great guy. Absolutely. From a, uh, you know what I mean, business standpoint, professional standpoint, I just didn't make sense of it. I know they said he was the best player at the time. And I was like, well, that's fine. But um, it just didn't make sense to me. Logical sense as a goalie, it just didn't make sense. Um, but you're right, Simsy. Um, sometimes it's politics. But at the end of the day, like, I, I don't control that. Yes. I can only control me being in the net and stopping pucks. And so I got sent to Cincy. And let me tell you, Cincy was the best thing for me because I was able to do like a, a small step into pro um Robert Mayer was there Mitch Korn would come in and help and I mean I we we made that long playoff run you learn a lot doing those long playoff runs because it's it's totally different hockey um so won the co-playoff MVP with Robert Mayer um I played the first three series and then I got injured and he played the last we beat Idaho uh and then we won the Kelly Cup and like winning a championship at any level is a special thing yes right Absolutely. No and we were, we were talking about this before we got on the air uh, about that. This, not the, not in the Kelly cup finals, but the set, the, the, the playoff, the conference finals that you guys are playing Charlotte. And I, this is so unique and such a minor league hockey story. I think that we have three guys playing for the admirals playing in a game seven against Chicago, uh, Mark Van Gilder, Mike Bartlett, and I believe Reed Cashman. And so, you known Van Gilder and Cashman, they had both been, they had both played their, uh, and you probably knew Bart's too, because you had been up in Milwaukee uh, a little bit. And Milwaukee loses to Chicago. Those two guys get on a plane to go play against each other the next day. Yep. Which is just a remarkable story uh, that that could actually happen. And so just tell us a little bit, what do you remember from that game seven? Uh, you were hurt, obviously, but, uh, you know, do you uh, – and it was a close no, game. I, oh, I played. Well, the whole played first, okay. Yeah, the whole first three series – for three, uh, uh, got it. Okay, sorry. Yeah, so I – was it? No. Actually, game seven, Robert Mayer played. You're right. We won, I think, one nothing. And Robert – that was Robert Mayer's first game back because I think he was with Montreal. Okay. Um, yeah. Because I, I don't know if it was the Olympics or something was going on with Carey Price or something, and so he went up. So the first, like, two rounds, like, I remember it was game seven, game seven. Like, we went the – we went the eh, – it might have been game five because they back in the day they had the the wow. best of five in the first round. But I remember I was dead tired. I got hurt. Robert went in. We won one nothing. Um, but you're right. Like it was it was crazy because those guys are on a team together, and it's just a minor league thing where you get sent down, and now you're playing against each other the next night. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we we ended up we ended up winning. We went on to the next like the the finals and. Uh, yeah, it was, and then we won. And I remember when we won, uh, my family was there, they came down to the locker room and it's like, you see like any, any, at any level, any sport, the champagne's flying, everyone is soaked. Um, the cup is there and it was like that in our locker room. If you were in the locker room, your clothes, your gear, everything is just covered in beer and champagne. And it's just a feeling. It's just a, a feeling that you'll never forget. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was that was against Idaho. Did you bus out there, or were you able to fly at that point to to play back and forth? No, we flew. Um, yeah, so we flew. Uh, I've never seen Idaho, but it, it's beautiful. The mountains. Yeah. Um, it's right there, Boise. I and I think Boise right now. It's the city is like one of the biggest like growing cities, and yeah, it's booming. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's huge. And so back in the day, like it was a small like strip of um downtown but yeah so idaho is great but i think we won that series 4-1 i can't remember and uh game one and two it was the weirdest game winning goals it was like late in the third and like one was like it was a shot going like four feet wide and i think it hit van gilder in the in the butt and went in (laughs) he wasn't even looking it just hit him it goes in and like everyone's cheering he's like kind of like going at it with the guy he turns around pucks in the net everyone's excited but that's how bounces go you know what i mean you, you you're lucky when you're good and you're good when you're lucky yeah it's all it's almost like every championship team at any level has stories like that right where we just got the puck luck but to your point you when you're when you're good lucky good things happen to those who uh prepare is uh uh, almost a good way to put it. Absolutely. Uh, so the, the next year, let's talk about your first full year in Milwaukee. Uh, so that's going to be in 2010-11. Uh, and you're playing, like you'd already known Lane, you'd been through training camp with him. But what was it like as a goalie to play for Lane? We know how, like he's, he's pretty hard on guys, but I expected just to kid high expectations, right? But fair. Was it, I assume it's similar as a goalie, but like, you know, it's always different with the goalies, especially at the pro level. The coaches are first to admit, like, they don't know goaltending. Uh, That's why they have goaltending coaches. Right. No, I I loved Lane. Uh, Honestly, I have, I have so much respect for him um, because he, I remember early when I got called up, um, Mark Dekanich got called up to Nashville. I got called up. It was Pickard and I, and then um, Pickard got sent down, and it was me and Dex. And I remember Lane called me in, and he sat me down, and he goes, Smitty, he goes, I just want you to know that you're not going to play as much as you've been playing for the last four or five years. He goes, you're going to get games, but it'll, it, it'll be farther in between. He goes, I want you to treat your practices like a game so that when you get your chance, you're ready. I was like, I love that idea. And it was just the respect that he gave me to call me into his office and like, say like, this is how you prepare. This is how you become good at this level. Um, And so uh, it it worked. You know what I mean? First game in uh, Cleveland, we win three, two Mueller scores a game winning goal with like less than two minutes to go. I want to say. So, you know, and then sure enough, Lane, Mitch Korn, Barry Trotz, uh, two years ago I signed with the Islanders they're all there so it's crazy how your career can start one way and then you know what I mean you it's yeah. full circle you, you see them again the and same characters roads, repeat yeah <laughs> the roads cross and you never know but you know Elaine was great that that year and that that mindset had to have helped because now Mark Dekanich gets hurt before the playoffs and now it's your load and mm-hmm. you were magnificent in the playoffs <sighs> On one Thanks, of the really good teams that the Admirals have. Yeah, on a fantastic Admirals team. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We were strong. I remember we that was the Texas. We 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 had we played six in, games we with played, Texas and then seven with Houston. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's funny how I say it's a different hockey. It felt, you know what I mean? Playoff hockey is playoff hockey, no matter where you're at. So for me, it was like that mindset of like, all right, here we go again. You have your goal, which is a championship. Let's do it. And so like, to me, it was kind of like playoff hockey all over again from the year before. Um, and I truly thought that we were going to be able to pull it off again. And so I remember, was it double overtime against yeah. Texas? Against Texas. Yeah. Game six against Texas. Yeah. yeah. In, in Milwaukee, it was like, I felt like every game went to overtime in that series or it was close. I remember in Texas, did we have another double overtime in Texas? I can't remember. That series was crazy. Like Gabriel Bork and Chris Mueller and Ryan Thang were so great. Oh, good. Yeah. Borky especially was incredible, but yeah, they were yeah. all overtime one goal. game. I mean, they were just nuts. The games were nuts. They were, that yeah. was as good a series as I've ever seen. Oh yeah. yeah. So I remember the double overtime in Milwaukee. I remember skating up the ice with my arms, just like, thank you. I think it was game six. We were just like, finally, we were like, oh, we're through. You know what I mean? And I I hate to say this. That's the last time the Admirals won a playoff series. No way. We haven't won a playoff. Like last year, 1920, we had the best team in the league. And we, I I, I hate to say we were going to win a playoff series because you never think, you know, and then the season gets canceled. Uh, yeah. But yeah, we uh, it was it's been tough pl- tough playoff sledding uh, for the Admirals. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I haven't had a contract come through from the Milwaukee Admirals. Maybe it's time. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe let's get another playoff series. That's that's a great thought. Yeah, yeah. that's a great thought. I, uh, I, I agree. Why not? Right. I, that team, I want you, that team had a cast of characters and, and the, those special teams always have some characters and I, real quick, go through some of these guys here. Um, we Charlie mentioned Mark Van Gilder before, but playing with Mark Van Gilder who scored the game winner, by the way, in that double overtime game, we referred to uh, what a guy immortalized Just... by Aaron Sims's uh, uh, bottle opener that we have. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> great. Uh so I, I'm sorry, Aaron, I cut you off. No, that's all right. Just uh, you, you were starting to say about Mark Van Gilder there, Smitty. Oh, he's a game-winning goal guy. You know what I mean? He's a hard-working guy that goes to the net. And he just, I mean, in Cincinnati, he was the guy. We're like, oh, if someone's going to score, it's going to be it's going to be Van Gilder. Um, and I remember my first year in Cincinnati, he had this car. They sent him up and down, I think, 12 times between Cincinnati and Milwaukee. He had to drive this poor car back and forth i don't know how long the drive is to milwaukee to cincy they ended up buying him new tires (laughs) (laughs) they didn't know that yeah i'm pretty sure because i remember he came in one day and he talked to the guys in milwaukee he was like hey my car is just it's 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 taking a beating and they like i remember i don't know who okayed it but they were like take it to the shop put some new tires on Get him an oil change. Get him some new brakes. I don't know, but this happened in um, Milwaukee. Yeah, really. I didn't. I never heard that. Harris probably right or Wojo I, probably. I don't know. I, you know what? I bet you it was Harris because that like Harris is the nicest owner. Cares about the players, and so if Van came in with a, a car that he had driven, I don't know, uh, twelve times back and forth, like. <laughs> Give the poor guy some tires. Yeah, Van still had that car when he, you know, four years later when he was playing with the Admirals, and finally his last year in Milwaukee, he got a new car, and uh, 
I, that was uh, – I don't – I, I wonder how many miles he had on that thing. It had to have been 200,000. Yeah, that thing – it was uh, it was made of steel, and it was – I mean, put a new set of tires on it, it ran great. That's what Vance said. Uh, the other guy, the, the, the defenseman on that team, it was quite a crew. I mean, Scott Ford, of course, but you had Aaron Johnson, Brett Palin, and like a veteran group, and then uh, a young guy named Roman Yossi. Timo Lacks mm. probably there. I mean, I the, the, what what a great talented blue line core. Oh yeah, yeah. Like the names you just read off, like that's in, those are great players, great guys. Um, yeah, no wonder we had so much so much success because, I mean, as a decor, like that's that's your your roots, your 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 base, right? And it just kind of blossoms out. I mean, those are we didn't have like a two or four deep D man we had a whole six or seven solid right. defensemen Red Palin was our captain was the captain yeah. that year yeah yeah Aaron Johnson I remember yeah Johnny um, NHL play play the entire year before in the NHL yeah yeah I remember that and then um yeah so you know what those guys no wonder we had so much so much success we had so much chemistry you know what I mean like everyone in the room got along great and so yeah it was, that was that's a fond memory I, I didn't even mention uh, grant lewis they, they, so many games that you're so many games that you're they played seven defensemen mm-hmm. always the seventh defenseman and he was i remember him going down to his knees so often to try to block pucks at the blue line right like on, on the offensive blue line like to try to stop the clearing and maybe it was because he was on his off hand but it, yeah. like unorthodox maybe but he got the job done he he's one of the best athletes guy oh yeah he is such an athlete i remember like they would run us through these like functional movements and he would nail it um and on the ice like there'd be times where the puck would be so far away from him and i'm like oh here's a here's a breakaway and he'd make the play you know what i mean he's a smooth guy on and off the ice i don't remember him simply (laughs) charlie you know what i mean yeah grant lewis smooth guy Grant Lewis and Kelsey Wilson took me out to dinner one time to try to, I was going through some stuff and those two guys took me out to dinner to try to cheer me up. And it was one of the most enjoyable nights. Like I, I, I am so thankful that I'm in the American hockey league when, when they, you know, because if I was working in the NHL, that would have never happened. I right. no disrespect to those guys, but you don't have to develop those relationships and, and to, for Grant and Kelsey to do that, it was it was pretty special. So yeah, I I think the world of Grant and honestly, I haven't spoken to him in ten years since he yeah. left, since that year. But I yeah. would love, I would love to if he by chance is listening to this, I would love to speak with Grant Lewis because he means a lot to me. Oh, he's great. Um, uh, he ended up marrying, I believe, Alicia. She's a Milwaukee girl. Is that right? Wow, I believe so. Yeah. So, um, I mean, he still has roots in Milwaukee. So I think you guys should extend that invite. I bet you he'll, he'll we gotta accept figure, it. And, and by, figure out. And he was a guy too who came like he he was well to do. His family was well yeah. to do, and he went to Dartmouth. But but you wouldn't like he was hardworking. He was I mean like he yeah. was just a. It was great. It was great. Yeah yeah no I lived with him because um, I I remember I got called up and I was living in the hotel and then Lane called me and he's like Smitty we got to get you out of the hotel, find a place. And so I ended up moving in with Louie and it was, you know what I mean? He was, he was great. Um, 
because he was so wild away yeah. from the rink. Every day was exciting. Every day was an event. I don't know what it was. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, it didn't matter. Something was going on. Um, but sometimes I'd tag along. And uh, I, I think that year, the Packers won the Super Bowl. Uh, and could have been, yeah, I, you might be it's that neighborhood yes yes you're I, that, that neighborhood right because i remember they shut the whole street down um it was it wasn't the third ward what's the street with uh the the irish bar on the corner um could be water, it's like trinity water street. uh yeah, water, trinity, street. water street or trinity is a, a block over from water yeah yeah yeah, they shut down February, Water Street. February February 6, 2011. You're right. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, the Packers won. I remember the whole team was out. They shut the whole street down because people are dancing in the street. Uh, green and yellow is playing on repeat. Um, we had the circles painted green and <laughs> yes, yellow. Yes. I couldn't see the puck in the green circle. I let up two goals. I couldn't see the puck. <laughs> it's like, Charlie, what are we doing? You're like, hey, it's for the Packers. <laughs> Yeah. 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 I'm trying to make it to the NHL, man, and you're killing my save percentage. Oh, yeah. Well, that actually comes on the heels of that was we earlier that season. We tried to do a pink in the rink game. And on the on the jet ice, on the pink jet ice, it says try just like anything with your clothes or something. Try in an inconspicuous spot first and see what happens. Well, the Bradley Center did not. They just put it all in and you came out there and it was so dark. And you and oh, Lane, yeah. I mean Lane, Lane suffered no fools. He came <laughs> out there. He looked at that. Ain't no effing way we're playing on that. And just you know how like he got his he he got a little upset about a little upset about that. Uh, oh yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Mules. We didn't hear. We didn't know this. At least I didn't. Mules tells us last week that like they they everyone was always concerned that Lane was going to break his elbow because he smashed it against the glass so hard. And I was con- I was concerned that he was going to assault somebody right there. He and he, but he never did, of course, because he, he's a. No, you know, it, uh, I don't. I, I don't know if he still does it, like smash the glass, because he's he's with Barry, he's the assistant, so it's a little different role. Yeah. But I remember that whole the whole time Lane was in Milwaukee, he'd wear his suit, and you know how they had the four buttons on the sleeves. Yeah. Yeah. They would always be crushed. Like they would just be little tiny bits of buttons that were left over from him. So you can tell you can tell what suits he'd worn. It's funny you say that because I remember one time sitting where I sat. I sat behind Brad Lauer on the bus. It was assistant coach, and yeah. Brad Brad turned to me one time and asked me what we would have to do to get a suit uh, budget, like, suit like, you know, oh, like God. a sponsorship where Joseph A. Bank would give us suits and we'd put up an adder, but he, he was trying to get the suits for, so maybe that's why, maybe just sick of buttons breaking all the time. I don't know. Every <laughs> coach we've ever had has said to me, hey, why can't we get a suit deal around here? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then they'll say, my buddy, you know, so-and-so down over in uh, uh, in Grand yeah, Rapids. has it or whatever. Yeah, yeah. right, right, yeah. Uh, yeah, make sure they're make sure they're buttons of steel for Lane though, because yeah. <laughs> he'll be going through buttons every game. And you're the bat, and especially when you're not playing. Like you, you obviously you're into the game, but it's not the same as intensity as when you're in it and you're playing. So I bet you're like as the backup goalie, you're or, uh, for a game. You're looking over at them like, oh boy, 
what's going what's going to happen here this is just bits of buttons just (laughs) yeah (laughs) flying yeah yeah. that that next season um 11 12 a tumultuous year yeah it starts off um we've talked a lot about this um by the way i want to go back to 10 11 real quick to to, about two more players uh linus clausen and blake jeffreyon and i would guess in games that you weren't playing where Dex was starting and you had to stick around, you were probably on the ice probably 50 minutes longer than you wanted to be. Incredible. I remember. <laughs> right? I remember. Yeah, they oh, would yes. never leave. Oh, I do shootouts with. And with... Boomer would talk and talk and talk. <laughs> now, you're not wrong about that. But... <laughs> you get that guy going and you can't turn him off. It's like, <laughs> It's like a loop. It's beautiful. <laughs> Great. It's yeah. so good. Yeah, boom, boom. But yeah. yeah, and then the shootouts. Yeah, that it was that Clawson would try to do. It. Oh my God, uh, he would tell me to get in the net, and I'd be like, "Yeah, sure." And I remember the first the first week doing these shootouts. I, I think I stopped one out of a hundred. He was <laughs> in the best ever. The hands. Oh my. I I've never seen a set of hands like that. He would come in and it would just, it would be like, like a a magician. He would have the puck here. It it was on a string for the guy. And I know a lot of people say that, but this guy actually had it on a string. He would, he would pick it up on his backhand back to his forehand, like in the air, like he would, he would bring it back. And then like, (laughs) and I'm like, I have never thought of that, let alone seen it. And like, so I remember he scored a playoff, uh, a shootout goal, and he went by. I think it was Chicago. Went by their their bench with his jersey in his hand, like this yeah, in front yeah. of. And, and every one of their guys was like, they were like chewing at the bit to get it, to yeah. get at him, like swinging sticks. He comes on our bench, and we're all kind of like in shock. Like, did he just do that? And then right. like. I remember he apologized. He's like, "Sorry, guys, I didn't, I didn't know I couldn't do that. That's just the way." <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I, I, I contend that Lin, that Clausen was the guy who who started the shootout move, where you start off fast and you go slower and slower and slower, and the and that they almost had to instant. I don't remember when the rule was made that you, the puck has to keep maintain its momentum. I think it's because oh, yeah. of Clausen though. He remember he did it. He would do it in Milwaukee all the time. Oh, all the, the whole the every away team that got scored, they would throw a fit. Oh, the coach yeah. would be yelling, and like the refs are like, "What do you want us to do?" It's not like he like stops. Like right. he just kind of like sl- goes into slow motion. Yeah. Boop, 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 boop. And then like yeah. and then stick handles. You know, six six stick handles in half a second, and it's roofed on a backhand. Exactly. Yeah. So. That, but I remember, yeah, he was he was phenomenal. It's just, uh, uh, he just couldn't play at the next level because it was so fast. The game was yeah, so fast, fast yeah. And right. the rink was so small for him. I remember he told me he's like, he's like, it's like playing on a, a kid rink compared to now. Uh, I understand an extra fifteen feet. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I understand what he's saying now because I'm from playing overseas. Yeah, I, I want to get into that too because they always talk the, the difference for goalies um, and where the shots are and all of that. But um, but I, I started to talk about that 11-12 season. As Charlie mentioned, it was a little different because we have we don't lose coaches very often in Milwaukee. I mean, every, every coach kind of puts in a, 
a four-year term at least. And mm-hmm. that year it starts with Kirk Muller and it starts off fine, 10, six and one. Um, first off, you, you must've known who Kirk Muller was when he gets the job as the head coach. Oh yeah. I think everyone did. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he'd been a hot name, obviously, in the NHL, and everybody's wondering what's why he doesn't have an NHL job. And then all of a sudden, I think it was really out of the blue that he ends up as the head coach of the Milwaukee Admirals, wasn't it? I mean, what what were your do you remember your thoughts when you heard Kirk Muller? I guess we were all kind of under the assumption it would be Herbie, right? Because Herbie was the assistant and he would get promoted, and that's just how you did it. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. Um because yeah, I remember Mueller coming in and I, I remember I asked him and he, I think he said he wanted just to be the head guy. He wanted to be, you know what I mean? He wanted to be at the, the helm. And so uh, it made sense. Um, and we, we started fine. He played me a lot. Yeah. I remember he, he played me a lot. I remember there was a pregame skate one time and I was playing that night and, but it was an optional and it was even optional to come to the rink. So there was maybe six or seven of us, and we had to go to the practice. What's the practice facility? Um, it's right down the road. Yeah, the current center. The current center. Yeah, we had to go to the current center. And so there was six or seven of us, and I was getting dressed in my pads, and we're laughing, getting ready. And Mule and Kurt comes in, and he goes, Smitty, what are you doing? I'm like, ah, I'm going to go pregame state. He goes, uh-uh. I go, what? <laughs> he goes, take your pads off. You're not skating. And I remember that because – that was the first time I was told to not skate every time in my career thus far was you're skating. It's an optional skate. You know what I mean? And so he told me not to skate and he rode me for the first, I don't know. I remember Ate Ate was with me. Yeah. And so took him a while. I have a funny story about the the three fins on that team this year, that year. If you guys want to get into it. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, it was Engren, Laxo, and was it Yuso Pustinen? Was yeah. Pusti there? Yeah, P- who's a, just a, uh, a funny, great guy. So have you guys heard this story about the Finns in Oklahoma City? Not in Oklahoma City. Okay. Uh, well, maybe, maybe I, mean, I don't want to speak for Aaron, so go ahead. Aaron, <laughs> in Oklahoma City, there was the one in Houston, right, where the, the Super Bowl party in Houston. Oh, you're right. It was. So we had to drive up to Oklahoma City. It was to and Austin so, first. It was to Austin first. Okay, so we had we were doing that swing, right? We did yes. like the yeah. Oak City, the Houston, the Austin. Yeah. All right, so you. So well, tell us, we, we, we want to hear the story from your perspective, Charlie. I'll I'll tell you from my perspective. So we had the Super Bowl party, and at that at, we, at the the Flying Saucer in Houston. Everybody's <laughs> yeah. at the Flying Saucer in Houston. I remember, and I remember those three guys sitting in the corner, uh, talking right, Finnish all night. Real quick, Yuso Pustinen was back in Finland because his grandfather had passed or something. So right, it was just the three of them. It was Yanni and Timu Lakso and Ate Ingren. Yeah, and let me preface this story. I love the Finns. The Finns are great, great people. Every I haven't met a Finn I don't like because yeah. they're so great. Uh, but they, I remember they were in the corner because they don't like football, right? They're not big right. sport, Super Bowl fans. And so they're hamming it up and, and drinking and having a good time. And I remember Ate Angren's my roommate. And so he had his overnight bag on the bed. We left, went to the party. I came back. 
Um, and I came back from the party and I fell asleep and the bag was on, uh, on his bed. And so eight o'clock, excuse me, I wake up and all we have to do that next day is bus to the next city. And I wake up and I look in the bag. So there I rub my eyes. I'm like, that bag hasn't moved. It's 8 a.m. I'm like, there's, there's only two things that can happen. Either he went home with somebody or he wasn't able to come home. So I call <laughs> Fordo. I call Fordo right away. I go, Fordo, Ate never made it back. And, and I could tell Fordo was just waking up too. He's just like, what do you mean? And I go, Ate never came back to the hotel. His bag's on the, on the bed. He's not here. He goes, oh, my God. I go, what? He goes, Laxo called me trying to speak English, but I couldn't understand him. <laughs> I didn't know I'm like, that part. I never heard that part. So he's like, I couldn't understand him. And I don't, I'll, and so Ford was like, all right, Smitty, you got to tell Herbie and I'm going to go find these guys. So uh, Fordo, I think runs because there's three different places they could be. And he runs to the first one. They're not there. He runs to the second one. They're not there. And the last one's a pretty big place. And I tell Herbie what's going on. And so we didn't have enough guys to play without those three guys. So I remember the bus pulling up in front of the Houston County. The holding center. Yeah. The holding center. center, Yeah. And these three guys come out. Like they've been in a dungeon. I remember the sun was shining and they like were like <laughs> covering their eyes. Yeah. And they get on the bus and the first thing they say is water, water, <laughs> water. <laughs> yeah. And so we we picked them up and off we went on our road trip to the next city. And, and there was yeah, a practice that day. Do you remember? Because did we practice all- when we got in? When we got to Austin, yeah. um, Dave Randolph had put prison stripes on their practice jersey. Oh, journey. God. Yeah. <laughs> Poor but guys. The story, too, and can you – I mean, I, we've heard this, but wasn't the story, too, that Dave Randolph had won, like, all the squares, right? All the Super Bowl betting. The Super Bowl squares. <laughs> so, but, and he, and then he, but he had to leave to go set up in Austin. So he drove okay. the truck or whatever, right? The equipment truck. Yeah. Yeah. So to bail these guys out. You had to use Dave's Dave Dave's Red cash, Hall, right? Because they couldn't. You can't. You can't bail with put out bail with the credit card. <laughs> so we use the Super Bowl cash to bail. The- <laughs> yeah. And it was Dave that won, which makes it. A oh, which makes it even up. better. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He got mad at me so many times about sharpening my skates. I can't remember, but oh, that is. I, that's a memory I forgot. That a little tidbit, but that. <laughs> that sweetens the deal but oh wow did you are you a guy did you sharpen your skates a lot no i didn't i mean i was gonna say I, I don't know a lot of goalies who have their skates sharpened all the time yeah but dave was one of those guys some days he was happy some days sure. stay out of his way sure um and you're just hoping and praying it's a good day <laughs> when you gotta walk in there and ask him to sharpen his or sharpen your skates um but no, Dave was great. You know what I mean? He always, yep. he'd always sharpen them and never, never a problem. Um, those guys have a hard enough job to begin with. And you're walking in there with a pair of 
you know what I mean? Doll blades. That's the yeah. last thing they want to see. Right. But yeah, that Houston story. Oh man. And so we're getting all those guys bags on the bus and then it pulls up and they come out just shielding the sun with no shoelaces <laughs> in their shoes. Cause that's a suicide that's... risk. <laughs> yeah. They're carrying their shoelaces. Oh my God. Yeah. Insane. <laughs> yeah. Poor guys. We will break right there. As we mentioned, we are doing this Jeremy Smith interview in two parts. That was part one. Next week, you'll be able to hear part two, obviously, wherever you found this podcast. Thanks for listening to this Milwaukee Admirals podcast with Jeremy Smith.